Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a podcast platform to share interesting conversations from the most successful leaders within the Stockholm tech community. My name is Sophie Gould and I'm your host for today. Today I'm joined by a great panel to discuss the topic of how to be a great tech leader. Now we've got a mix of backgrounds and current positions, so this is going to be a really interesting talk. Now I'm looking to introduce you all to my panel here. So for this, I'm going to ask everyone who you are, what you do, and also what you're passionate about. And we'll start with Carolis. Hello guys, uh, my name is Carolis. Uh, currently I'm working as a Scrum Master in Automation Services RP platforms in TGSL, Telia Global Services, Lithuania. Uh, just to share a bit more about my previous experience, what is interesting about it is that for the past 10 years, I was mostly working in telecommunication and finance operations. And only last year I've moved to IT as a Scrum Master. And that happened because of my passion and uh, willingness to learn and de develop uh, particular skills. And of course, because of mentorship, which I'm going to tell you a bit more uh, in the future, touching other topics uh, throughout um, our call. Um, just uh, introducing a bit more of myself and sharing uh, information about my passions, I probably can answer it in one word, it's people. Um, I do love to spend time with people. Uh, I love to communicate, discuss things, uh, learn, guide, and uh, just in general, put a smile in their faces. So hopefully I'll be able to put the smile in all of your faces who are listening right now and, and the ones who are here in the panel. So uh, once again, thanks to you, Safi, for uh, uh, the invitation and uh, very proud for, for having this chance to have a discussion with all of you guys here in the panel. So yeah, that, that's uh, a bit of uh, information about Carolis. Oh, thank you, Carolis. That was lovely. A really good introduction. And yeah, thank you for joining us. And then we'll come over to you, Maha. Hey, thank you. Yes, uh, my name is Mahyar. Uh, and uh, currently I'm a product development manager uh, here at Betson. Um, I have a background uh, about a decade in, in agile software development. I started as a developer a long time ago and have taken different roles and responsibility throughout my career, being a scrum master, coach, uh, uh, engineering manager, and currently a product owner. So I have uh, had quite a journey and I always basically did what I was passionate about. Um, and currently, like uh, Carlos mentioned, I'm also, my passion is, is, is all about people and, and leadership. Uh, good to be with you guys today. It's going to be an interesting time talking and, and learning from all of you. Oh, so. thank you. Nice. I think it's great that we've got a, a similar passion already. Um, and last but not least, Anton, tell us more about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Anton. I'm a software engineer who works as a freelancer uh, or consultant. And uh, I've been working uh, as a tech lead uh, or architect in uh, some com several companies. And right now I'm working for Zeto by PayPal in Sweden. And uh, my passion is uh, engineering, space, and science. And I really love engineering and uh, things that people can do, can build, can build efficiently, that helps other people to have better life. Brilliant. No, really I love glad, that. Really glad to be here and looking forward to discuss really nice topics today. Okay, nice. Thank you. I think uh, that's a, a really nice passion to have as well in terms of being able to build something to help people. So yeah, thank you all. Now that we've got a little bit more of a context into everyone, let's just get straight into some of the good questions we've got. So the opening question, which was from yourself, Carolis, which is what's a tech lead and also the difference of tech lead versus team lead? So, yeah, take us away. OK, I'll probably begin with a short uh, description and information on what's a tech lead in general. So I guess generally speaking, a tech lead is someone who is expected to provide technical leadership on a singular software team. Uh, saying that, uh, technical lead is not responsible for any one-on-ones. He, he's, he's not uh, a person who has any direct reports. Uh, at the same time, he is the one who is mentoring other teammates and uh, uh, having the uh, uh, part of being uh, a leader in a group from the technical part. Uh, saying that, uh, I've never 
been a person who was in a technical uh, lead role, but throughout my experience and responsibilities uh, working in finance operations and telecommunication business, I've had similar to technical uh, roles, which was uh, quality and training manager and department manager. So those are the roles that uh, allows me to uh, uh, evaluate the differences between tech lead and uh, uh, team lead. So talking about those differences, so I could bring uh, several for you guys to, to have a discussion on, uh, saying that mostly tech lead could be a person who is responsible for uh, code quality, uh, developer productivity, such as uh, uh, testing, release, monitoring, uh, also technical mentoring and technical depth uh, prioritization. As for team lead, you're working with people and you have to have those soft skills such as empathy and uh, probably the main responsibilities goes with people's career progression, one-on-ones, recruitment uh, and team composition, project management and intern team coordination and dependencies. So uh, saying that and giving a short introduction of what is a tech lead and what's the differences between tech lead and uh, team lead. Uh, I'll probably give a word for any of you guys to share your perspective of how do you see uh, a tech lead and, and differences between those roles? Yeah, perhaps uh, I, I will add a little bit. I think uh, it, it also depends uh, in which context uh, do you compare tech lead and team lead, uh, in particular in which country. Uh, I've seen that, for example, in many um, big companies like, uh, let's say, Google or Amazon, they, they have different names for such roles. For example, they have staff engineer or principal engineer. And uh, I've seen in my experience in, in some other companies uh, when a team lead acts more as engineering manager, what we usually call engineering manager here in Sweden, it's someone who not necessarily writes code, he maybe doesn't write code at all, or maybe he does, for example, in Again, referring to American companies in Google, engineering manager is expected to be able to write code and do code reviews and, and so on. In, in Sweden, it's very unlikely. And the same for, for team lead. In some, some companies, team lead may or may not uh, be responsible for backlog or, uh, or planning for uh, estimating how much effort it will take to, to you know, to do some specific task. In some other companies, it's not a team lead's responsibility. There is a maybe product manager or scrum master. So I would say it all depends. And uh, yeah, in Sweden, I would agree with you that tech lead is mostly focused on tech and team lead is more on the edge between engineer and manager and, uh, and the team member. This is my experience at least. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, in different countries, different organizations, uh, th these roles can, can have different meanings and, and different responsibilities. But if, if I want to uh, say, for example, if somebody tell me I'm a team lead or somebody said I'm tech lead, what, what does that bring to my mind? For me, it's a team lead, as the name suggests, basically that has the focus on the team, meaning that there are a lot of aspects around the team, the culture, spirit, how people work together, collaboration. Even if the person, the team lead, doesn't necessarily have the direct reports or like have, have the managerial role, but they still kind of have that, that responsibility um, or, or hat of somebody who, who is in charge of the team. Um, where tech lead, is probably those things could be more of a bonus if if you you are good uh, a, a person who is good with people communication etc of course it helps but the focus for me when somebody say i'm a tech lead is is person who is technically more senior who can who are able to like mentor other people who can take the like final decision if there are some disagreements and everybody trusts okay probably now we discuss about the pros and cons, different opinions, but we trust he, he's, he's the guy who can make those sort of decisions. Um, so that that's what it brings to my mind uh, when thinking about the, the differences. Yeah, I agree with you guys, good insights. Nice, I think that was a really nice roundup and it's quite interesting that there are so many differences depending on the organizations. Um, but no, brilliant first question to kind of set the tone and what we're gonna be talking about. So we'll talk, We'll move on to your um, subtopic now, Anton, which is how to, how to drive changes in tech. So yeah, hit us with uh, your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, I will set some context for, for my topic first. And uh, I, I think when we are talking about leadership in tech, we are not necessarily talking only about tech lead, for example. It, it might be some architect or in, in smaller organizations, if it's a small startup, it could be VP of engineering or CTO who leads maybe a couple of teams, maybe 20 people, or it can be bigger organization and their uh, a leader can be also, let's say, engineering director that leading small department. So because my, my topic is about driving changes in tech and those changes can be uh, within technology or uh, software architecture or how we work like processes in tech, like for example, how we test and deploy, deploy software, right? Or yeah, it, it can be, it can be different things that we can uh, need, that we need to change. But as an example, we can maybe discuss some architecture change that is more like tech focused and uh, what I've seen in my experience is that sometimes people start big changes and, and big, the changes I'm talking about they usually are quite big and complex it can take six months one year you know even longer for big organizations and to to make these changes efficiently like it's it's better if you follow certain process and and you have certain heuristics and certain approach instead of just randomly uh, coming in, in some meeting and saying, okay, guys, in the top management, we decided to do this. Or in our team, let's say your team responsible for some piece of your product or for maybe for infrastructure or maybe for some, something where you have responsibility and power to change. And then you come and say, okay, we decided we make this big change and now let's do it. And then 12 months later, you find that, oh, we are still in the middle of this change. We still have something old and we still have something new and people are confused. Like, why do we need to support now two different, uh, let's say, new system and old system? New people who join organization, they don't understand the history. They don't know why. And old people, software engineers, they leave company and they get knowledge with them so because you know in 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 tech uh, the turnaround is is quite high like i mean engineers they don't work for 20 years in one company right so and uh, i've seen i've seen uh, successful and not very successful changes and i i found very interesting approach and that was outlined in 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 a book leading change and then in the other book accelerate and that was about uh, there is a doctor Kotler who, who built a framework for organizational changes and if you put it in the context of tech changes or architecture changes so what he suggests is the following uh, first of all you need to have a sense of urgency like why do we need to do it right now there should be good reason why you should do it now because if you don't have a good reason why you want to do it now, maybe it will not be prioritized because in, in companies, it's a lot of competing priorities. Then you need to get a buy-in and that, that could be buy-in from the bottom. If you're a leader, if you are like CTO or architect, maybe you need to buy in from engineers or it could be vice versa. Maybe you are a senior engineer in a team and you just want to lead some change. Then you need to get buy-in from the top. So you need to be able to explain the benefits of your change and like sell it and get the buy-in. And then after that's done, you need to develop very good plan and vision. How exactly we are going to implement this change, which steps are needed. Then when it's done, you need to communicate your change because uh, you need to communicate your plan and your vision and uh, good leaders, they focused on why we need to do it. And then they explain like what and, and, and other details, right? So you need to be able to continuously explain what we are doing and why. Uh, then, then you need to empower people to do this. So you need to remove barriers. You need to, maybe you need to set a priority so people can do this change, right? Because if you have a backlog full of other things that maybe you won't have time to, to implement your plan. And then uh, Kotler suggests then you should generate some short-term wins. It should be small victory that you can use as a proof that you can actually do that. And then after you make this small victory, you still, you should keep your plan 
uh, in mind and you should keep communicating your vision continuously because you know some people they maybe they go to vacation or they go to maternity leave they come back they don't know what's going on we should continuously remind people what are we doing why why are we doing this and what is the progress where are we in this change right now and, and then when it will when it when you will get more results or more progress on your change then you should embed that in your culture so this should become your new norm like if you're talking about new testing process then you should make sure that this will be your new culture that everyone knows everyone uses that there are no excuses or if it's let's say new tool that you new vendor that you decided to use maybe you decided to use new tool for logs then you need to make sure that everyone knows how to use it all new uh, parts of your system are using it and so on so i i that was like short description of quarters uh eight step process and uh, i really like it and i want to hear your opinion what do you think of it and maybe you have some examples from your experience when something worked well or something didn't work well yeah probably i'll take it over then uh thanks anton uh the thing i've uh, thought about when you were talking is that uh, uh, we used to have a joke in our uh, department saying that there's nothing more permanent than changes. So uh, I, I thought I'll share that with you guys. So uh, saying that and continuing with it, um, I'll probably uh, say that from the perspective of Scrum Master, uh, I would start with a fundamental thing, saying that communication is the key. Uh, every other iteration, we're having our retrospective meetings and our team members constantly are saying that uh, we need to improve on our communication and it never stops since uh, I think it's a normal thing that teams should work on their communication no matter what. And uh, walking through changes, especially changes in uh, tech environment, uh, you need to ensure that uh, all the new solutions, implementations and things like that are having a clear uh, rollout process and documentation. And uh, yeah, just continuing from the Scrum Master point of, point of view, I would say that the second thing I could add to this is that uh, a very important thing is to ensure continuous improvement after each iteration. And that is probably overlapping with the uh, communication thing. Uh, having the communication and uh, having the transparency between all the parties uh, is uh, a way to success for uh, uh, making sure that uh, continuous improvement is coming after each iteration. And that is very important to going through a change and having a change in a team and uh, in department or in process and, and things like that. So those are the things I could share from my own perspective and probably uh, uh, give a word uh, for uh, Armando to add. Yeah, thanks, I, I agree. Very, very good point, guys. Uh, I mean, change is a huge topic i mean like like anton mentioned i mean there are books written on it you could have a whole podcast just uh, dedicated to to change and how to drive change etc if i want to um, add, add my, my uh, few words to it um, for me you no know, change starts with with, with the with the plan we have to have a plan for for change also we have to have a first of all we, we have to know why and we have to be able to communicate that uh, to to the people if it, whether it is a the organization or process-wise change way of working or a technological uh, kind of change. So so why uh, why are we doing this change? What problem are we trying to solve? I think that that is quite important to everybody get on board and understand and simple, not so com uh, complex. Uh, you have to, it has to be simplified. So if you in, in the middle of the night you wake up, anybody in the organization ask why are we doing this. They can just say one sentence. This is why we, we are doing this. Um, and then also explain, OK, we are doing this change, but what does the success look like? How are we going to measure it? What what KPIs do we have? Uh, because we might have a lot of good vision, etc. But how are we going to measure? Are we going in the right direction and communicate that? And like Anton mentioned, I think very good point, which is a continuous thing. So we're gonna, this is not written on a stone. We're gonna go back. We're gonna ask for feedback. How are we doing? We're gonna evaluate and transparent be about this. Um, also, we have to, the leaders have to be mindful of who are the stakeholders for the change? Who are, who are the people who has uh, more opinions about this? Uh, 
let me give you an example. If, for example, you are in, in your changes about going to a new market, probably, you know, the software developers or, or people in the dev, dev they might uh, not have a strong opinions. They might say, yeah, sure, okay. But people on business side, marketing, commercial, those are. If it's a technological change that you're going to do, if, if you are going to, for example, from a, the, to, to Kubernetes migration, if you are going to, to some sort of like, like those kind of things, then probably opposite. I don't think business side might have a strong opinion. So you have to make sure that, that you uh, get, get the, tech, the technical people on board. Uh, also, it has to be communicated how did the decision was made about this change? How did we collect the input? Etc. Uh, and, and also make sure that it is not written on a stone. We are gonna revisit this. We, we are gonna look back. But um, yeah, like I said, it's 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 a very important topic. One of the topics that actually I'm very uh, passionate about. But thank thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, I I would uh, add actually, Mahiak, that you mentioned something nice that I like, and it's about how this decision was made. I think it's really important to document that when you make a big change you should document how the change was made which alternatives were considered because someone in three years might come and, and see this let's say new tool in place and think oh my god this is so bad who who was that guy or who was the team who decided to do this this is so bad we need to fix it but if if, if there is a documentation then the person can, can have some empathy can go back in time, revisit the document, and maybe that person will understand, oh, actually, it was the best uh, option at that point in time, given the you know, environment that was second time. So I think I, I really like that comment. That's very important for change management. Also, one, one more thing that you mentioned, Anton, was I, I think it, it was you, right? You mentioned people are in, in IT companies, they don't work 20 years in some, and, and that, that's important to, to remember these days. Uh, and, and that should be also part of the change. I mean, we have to have the change in, in implement and have a plan for a change so that it will be flexible. So it's it's, it's not reliant on, on the peop, a specific key people or a specific you know, technologies that, that it keep changing, et cetera. So I wanted to to highlight that as well. Oh, Thank nice. you. I think we've touched on uh, some some really important things there, and you are definitely right. It could be a podcast in itself, so maybe that's one for the future. Um, but no, brilliant. Moving on to to the next one, which was was yours, Mahia, of role of a leader in building a feedback culture, open and honest conversations. Now, I, I thought this one was really interesting. So yeah, give us your thoughts. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Uh, I, I will give it just just brief in. in introduction of what, what do I mean and because I, I want to more actually hear from from you guys uh, feedback is, is actually one of the the my, my passion at this this topic uh, so you have to stop me I, I can talk uh, forever about this topic but I mean I, I like I mentioned at the beginning I, I have had you know taken a lot of roles and responsibility through my my career and regardless of my responsibility one of the things that I always um, so very important in in any role in any organization, whatever responsibility you have, is is to have a good feedback culture. I have led I don't know maybe more than 20, 30 teams in, in my career, and when when I look back, those teams that was more uh, the, the best high performing team were the, the teams that they trusted each other. If you ask me what the team is, I, I would say basically team is a group of people who trust each other. Everything else come after that. Okay, then they have to have a vision, then they have to you know have a backlog, they, they have to have enough competence, they etc. Et but I think it, the fundamental start with the trust. And if you start with the trust, then okay, how can we build trust? It's all then about like uh, Carlis mentioned, uh, communication, etc. etc. And one of those things, is feedback um, like of course i mean we, we always have feedback uh, for, for each other it could be positive it could be constructive we are different people from different culture different opinions etc so it is quite important when it comes to to feedback i actually had two different things in mind and, and we, we can see if we have time to to go through both but my my first uh, topic was was actually about uh, like how not as a not as a manager how to give and receive feedback but how to encourage people's developers to and to to give each other's 
uh, feedback. The reason I bring this up, I mean, in the past, I don't know, uh, four or five years that I have been in, like in, in people management role, a lot of time it, it happened to me that in the one-to-ones, people bring feedback to me that it's not really for me. It, it's, it's for, for, for others. They, they come and say, yeah, I, I think that, uh, that that person should do like this, or I, I disagree with that, et cetera. And 99% of the time, those are not very sensitive. Those are the things that they can openly talk to each other. That, that's what I do. That's why I tell them, okay, but, but have you, you know, uh, in, talk to the person? Did you, you know, have the meeting and, and discuss? It's, it's only, you know, one, probably, you know, 5% of the times, very little that it is sensitive issue that I have to actually step in, facilitate and, and try to, to help. But most of the times uh, people can, can actually talk to each other and give each other feedback. Um, so, and, and then coming, okay, what, what role can a leader play? I would say, first of all, walk the talk. Like if, if, if we ask as a leader, we ask for feedback openly when we are in the one-to-ones. Uh, I, I always try to ask uh, my people, okay, do you have any feedback for me? So it's, it's, it's not a one way. Uh, so you kind of show openness, vulnerability. And then in, encourage people to actually talk to each other and, and provide feedback. Uh, but but again, I we can talk about this a lot. I really open this topic because I, I want to hear other people's opinion and like experience. Have you came across such a scenario where you 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 think that people need to you know, give feedback more openly to each other? Like uh, another thing, I also want to to mention before I actually give the stage to you guys is to be mindful as a leader, to be mindful of the cultural difference. You know, when it comes to feedback, it's um, the, the feedback, how you give feedback, how, how you perceive feedback, it's a very cultural thing. In, in, uh, in, in some uh, cultures, if, if, if you want to give, give one constructive feedback, you have to wrap it up with, you know, two, three nice things. Uh, otherwise, the person would be felt, you know, um, very uncomfortable. In, in some cultures, it's quite the opposite. If you actually approach the person and, and give you no know, two three nice feedback, he might think, ah, oh, but the, the person is quite happy with me. That 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 was the feedback. He he, he or she would not actually perceive it. So, but but having given this this introduction, I want to hear from you guys if if you have any experience with with the feedback. What have you guys done as as a leader to to improve this feedback culture? I don't know. I can take it over. Uh, then uh, yeah, yeah. Sharing from the very beginning. I tell you how I really enjoyed how you mentioned the walk the talk situation, since I had a note for myself as well saying that uh, a leader must uh, set a tone from the very top, since uh, taking any example, uh, talking about leading by example, in any situation, team members and uh, colleagues are always uh, following the leader, no matter what. So. Uh, uh, that's a good uh, example of when the feedback culture should work in the organization, when others should follow their leader and leader expressing himself, saying uh, how important it is to have a feedback and how open he is for receiving feedback as talking for the situations and examples I might have had and uh, probably um, uh, suggestions I could give is using different uh, feedback channels as uh, there is a bunch of examples and I have quite a few uh, naming simple one-on-ones and having time to uh, uh, share feedback during those. Also 360 feedbacks, individual or group feedbacks, face-to-face -face or written. And uh, probably the one thing I could really uh, be grateful for and happy for that we have in our team as a feedback culture during each retrospective uh, throughout the month, we're having an additional time dedicated for recognitions. So uh, we're using particular tools throughout the retrospective, but uh, at the very end of it, we're uh, using uh, tools for recognition and leaving comments and uh, information about each other. So uh, we're really having some jokes throughout that time, uh, leaving uh, uh, nice things about each other and that is happening for almost half a year right now and I'm collecting that information and every each time we are meeting each other throughout the retrospective meetings we're being able to uh, read those and just remember why we are so grateful uh, for having uh, team members in our team uh, that is currently working with us so uh, those are 
the ones that we are using in our team, and that's just uh, one out of number examples we could use for uh, feedback channels and culture in general. As for the feedback and uh, other examples, uh, probably uh, I could raise a topic and, and hear out from you guys what you think. Uh, currently, we're having uh, internships in our organization uh, called the Culture Hub, uh, Culture Lab for our front-end developers, and we're going to work on uh, particular feedback forms um, in, in their teams and also for mentors, uh, product owners, and scrum masters. So uh, that's a place where we're going to identify different feedback tools and channels. So maybe that could be an additional topic uh, for us to discuss on possible suggestions and, and ideas you guys might, might have for that. But uh, before doing that, I could probably give a word for you, Anton. And thanks for raising it, Arman. Yeah, I, I would add something from uh, engineering point of view or tech lead point of view, uh, because uh, I think you, Carol, has mentioned that uh, tech lead and team lead are not the same uh, roles. And uh, tech lead usually doesn't have one-on-one -on -one with, uh, with teammates. And if you are a tech lead or if you are a staff engineer, you can, you can improve the situation by uh, giving feedback uh, like, like I, I probably will give you a specific example. When tech lead might have a conflict with someone, right? It's when someone implements a piece of functionality and creates pull request, and then tech lead is reviewing pull request and then thinks, oh my God, what is this code? This is not what, what, what we need, or it's implemented using wrong pattern. And then I've seen so many times in my experience when people start in this very long pull request world, wars, when they start commenting, oh, this is wrong, this should be done like that, blah, blah, blah. And then this continues for a couple of days and conflict builds up. People hate each other because instead of having a call, they, they use text and text, it loses so much of uh, context. It doesn't have facial expression. It doesn't have, you know, it, it, it's very easy to misinterpret that. And I, I want to remind you that now we live in very different reality, post-COVID reality, when a lot of companies, they have remote or hybrid model, and we don't really have so much opportunity to grab a coffee with colleague in the office and, and just chat about that another method that was written or, you know, piece of functionality implemented. So we as tech leads or leaders, we should be very careful and I would recommend to use uh, video calls as much as possible. Turn on camera. If you have something to, if you, if you, let's say you are reviewing pull request and you have a question, why is it implemented this way? Instead of writing that in the comment, you better have a five minute call or 10 minute call and ask this question. Why did you implement it this way? Did you consider other alternatives? Or maybe what, what was your reasoning? Why did you implement it this way? And then maybe your, your colleague, your teammate can explain you in five minutes and you will think, oh, bingo, now I know. And this is the best, the best solution. Instead of having two days of uh, frustration in the comments and then escalating that to manager and then manager spending another day mitigating this you know it's much easier to have a call this video if you're not in the office and if you're in the office then obviously just grab a mug of coffee go to kitchen and talk to your teammates yeah very very good points uh, you, you mentioned anton the, about the video about the new reality I, I i totally agree one thing i wanted to add i uh, which I think Carlos also mentioned is this walking the talk and setting the example. Let me give you an example from myself. I mean, I have been working with, with feedback and feedback culture for, for many years. I, I used to run feedback for workshop that, that was, you know, the, the full day. Um, what was interesting was that even when I was running the feedback workshop, I, I, I was not seeing a lot of change in, in the organization that I was running. And one of the reasons were actually me myself. This is something that, that I realized um, very later in, in my career. I, I learned it in the hard way. And, and the reason was that I was actually not walking the talk. I, I wasn't aware of it, actually. So uh, I was getting very defensive when, when somebody has um, uh, saying you know, something uh, constructive to me, etc. So it took a long time to actually for, for me to, to uh, realize that actually it, it, it all starts with me. Uh, and one, one 
thing that I always mention in this workshop is, is that feedback is like a gift. You know, when, when you go to someone's place, I don't know, it's a Christmas and, and you bring some gift to the, to the person. The person, he, he is in, you know, in, in football, soccer, and then you bring a golf club. I mean, the, the, the person never slap you in the face and say, why did you bring golf? I, I'm in a soccer, right? You always say, yeah, thank you for, you know, taking your time. Thank you for, for thinking about me, etc." But when he leaves, then you put it on the side. Probably you are not going to use it uh, unless you want to learn golf, right? It's the same with the feedback. Feedback you, you receive uh, and you, you have to think about it. This is just another perspective. And then thinking, is it relevant? Is is it useful for me? What what did I get from this feedback? And it's very easy to say it, but when you're actually in the position receiving that, it, it could be more more difficult. But it comes with the with the practice. Uh, that's one thing I wanted to add. Very good example. Uh, I really liked the one with the uh, soccer situation and and so on. And I really remember those situations when I've received feedback myself. And uh, uh, it's really a present since uh, I do remember that I was able to grow the most uh, during those situations when I did a mistake, when I received the feedback and cr constructive feedback. And uh, I was able to uh, uh, do particular plan for myself to develop in certain area in order to grow. And, and that feedback really helped. So that's a very good point. I would add probably uh, a bit more practical example that I think might be useful to help with feedback. And uh, as you mentioned, Mahiar, to, to have a good feedback culture, you need to build trust. And uh, as a tech leader, you can build trust if you will work a lot with your team. And uh, uh, practically, if you will be doing something like uh, pair programming or mock programming or uh, design sessions together where you can uh, collaborate and, and discuss and also be open that you are not perfect. Like even, even if you are tech lead or staff engineer or architect, you still can make mistakes. You still don't know everything. It can be your colleague that knows some framework better than you or has some experience experiencing some technology better than you and you should be open about it and if you will be working together on on the same computer or i mean in in virtual reality it will be like sharing screen and you know writing code together then you will build this trust and you will be open that actually i'm a human too I, I, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything and, and I'm open for feedback and, and I am, I can make mistakes. Nice. I think there's um there's a lot within feedback. Some really good pieces of advice there, to be honest. Um yeah, really, really nice way to kind of round up what is quite a huge topic as well. So Carolis, the, the next thing we wanted to talk about was mentorship within the organization. Um, so tell us a bit more about your story behind this. Yeah, uh, by raising this topic, I wanted to share advantages of workplace mentoring and also share my own best practices and examples I've had since uh, throughout that 10 year professional career. As I've mentioned in the very beginning, I had maybe five or six mentorship programs, which I'm very proud of and very happy for. And uh, I could say that a couple of those were when I was a mentor and uh, most of them were where I was a mentee, uh, eventually ending up in me joining a mentorship organization, becoming a mentor myself. So just giving um, a bit more information on the advantages of workplace mentoring, I could say that uh, workplace should never be all about work. and. Uh, good mentorship uh, relationship can help break down the traditional working environment. Um, and as well as that, implementing a successful mentor program can benefit the organization and the employees to attain future goals uh, such as mine. So I can probably use those couple examples I've had uh, uh, throughout my uh, career. And one of those happened about a year or a year and a half ago when uh, due to shadowing and meeting uh, agile coach, Agidius, shout out to Agidius. Uh, I was able to uh, build up a plan throughout uh, uh, half a year of period, uh, attend uh, classes, attend trainings, receive certificates in Agile and Scrum in order for myself to qualify for Scrum Master role. And that happened because of mentorship. Uh, also because of that, uh, I had the mentorship program about two, three years ago. Uh, when I was able to uh, uh, gain more skills on business cases writing and uh, uh, other things just to be uh, more comfortable in my uh, 
position at that time. And uh, yeah, just, just just to share more information and more examples, uh, it it not necessarily have to be a, a mentorship program, an official one, since um, I do remember a very good example and probably a lead by example situation when uh, uh, a person at that time, my direct manager, uh, started a new initiative uh, in our department by uh, organizing workshops, particular workshops every month or every couple of months. And I do remember we had the feedback session uh, just in the middle of those and uh, throughout those feedback sessions, my direct manager mentioned uh, a possibility for me to be a person leading those workshops and, and meetings. Uh, at that time, it was a big challenge for me and I remember that uh, I took it as a challenge as uh, my communication skills were not that great uh, by that time. and. Uh, eventually leading those workshops and my direct manager challenging me ended up in the situation uh, where I am right now. Since if not those uh, meetings, if not those workshops, if not those uh, challenges I received, I wouldn't be here, I guess. And uh, I would not be able to say that uh, currently my main responsibilities are the ones that challenged me a couple years ago as uh, I'm now uh, facilitating meetings, organizing workshops, uh, communicating with people and uh, sharing the information throughout the meetings. So uh, uh, that's how uh, mentorship, uh, leading by example uh, works and those are just blended into the topic I had. So uh, just wanted to share that with you guys and uh, ask you if you have any uh, best practices, examples or um, just throughout your career, if you had any mentorship situations and how it worked out. So uh, give a word for you guys. Yeah, I, I can't go because I, I it just reminds me of, of actually how I started my, my career. I, I started my, my career at this huge organization. I remember when I joined together with me, I think about 20 other developers joined at the same time and, and the organization actually was running an experiment. So these, these 20 people roughly, I don't exactly remember the number, but these roughly 20 people that they hired, they, they put them in two different kind of setup. They were one group like me that, that joined a team that was experienced team and I had a mentor, etc. And then there was other kind of setup where the, the, there was a whole new team uh, you know, built based on newcomers, meaning that, you know, there were seven people, all of them were newcomers, they were given a small task and they, they had some product or etc. And after uh, one year, they, they evaluated that and the, the outcome was basically uh, that, that those people who had mentor, who joined the more senior team, and it was the one person joining the more senior team, they were way ahead of the others. Uh, and and that actually, I, uh, I, I was lucky because I was one of the, uh, the, the people who joined uh, the people I, I had the mentor. So I really uh, agree with you in terms of the, the importance of, of having mentor. I want to kind of connect it when, uh, now because we are talking about the, the topic of today is more about tech leadership. And in, when it comes to, to leadership, uh, a lot of times, um, people are confusing the coaching and mentoring. And for me, you know, tech leader should kind of find the balance, have that situational manage, uh, management uh, basically a style, meaning that the, the person that joins the team is, is, is this new person, is this totally new grad, doesn't know anything about the, 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 the tech, about the work environment, et cetera. So that's where you have to put more focus on the mentoring side of things, meaning that you have to actually have a checklist. You have to tell the person actually how to do it. You have to sit with him or her. This is how you do this stuff. Where coaching, as you know, it's a little bit different. If you, you ask the question, you try to uh, help the person find the way himself or herself, like, like navigate through the problem and, and learning. And you have to kind of balance these things out. But, but very, very important topic, uh, I agree with, with the mentorship. It, it's important also in the bigger scale for the organization. Uh, when, when you recruit, uh, it's, it's a costly process when, when organization have new people. So you, you want to bring them up to a speed as, as fast as possible. Again, like Anton mentioned, people don't stay for 20 years. So if, if people roughly stay for two, three, four years, you don't want to spend one year only for them to just built up the competence. So you want to have a more efficient process uh, where they are mentored and they 
kind of come up to speed. Uh, what do you think, Anton? Yeah, I think uh, I, I really like your uh, explanation of difference between coaching and mentorship. And now I'm recalling that uh, in the past I had very, very nice uh, colleague. He, he was staff engineer or, or architect. And I remember that all the important uh, things that we needed to decide, like services or I don't know, when you need to write some new piece of code then you do some design and then I remember he was doing that together with us and guiding us through and then he used now I understand that he tried to coach us like uh, tried tried to basically us design that feature or that system instead of doing it himself and then when he saw that okay we cannot do it maybe we don't know for some trick that he he did million times then he explains, okay, this is guys how you do it. And this becomes, it's like a combination of coaching and mentorship. And what I want to say is that I want to mention again that I truly believe that more programming, their programming is the key to success for, for team. And uh, it's it's very efficient way to share your experience and to coach someone or mentor someone. Um, if, if you are tech lead or you are staff engineer and you you have many years experience in the industry and you work with maybe less experienced colleagues i think this is the best way but anton question for you i mean you mentioned about the more programming etc which, which i fully agree but but in the new reality in this uh, hybrid way of working or remote way of working it is much more challenging i mean when you do a pay programming you sit with the person next to you you, you grab the keyboard, okay, let me do it, and the other person, the mouse is here. How, how do you do that when, when you are in the hybrid model or remote? How, how, have you tried different, like, more programming remotely, or how does that work? Yeah, actually, with our team, we do it every day, and we work, I would say, all the code we write, or, or like, 90% of code we write, we write in the remote. We have quite small but efficient team, and we use Teams the same way, like, People have meetings, it's just you share your screen and you write code and others, they help you, they maybe navigate you. Maybe if, you, if you're stuck, they help you to find solution on Stack Overflow or they can search on their computer. There are, there are some tools uh, like in uh, from JetBrains, uh, you know, there are many IDs, for example, in IntelliJ and there is a plugin called Code With Me. But we tried that plugin. We didn't find it. Uh, we, we didn't. We didn't think it's much better than than just sharing a screen and writing code together. But I would recommend you to try that plugin. And if you use Visual Studio Code, I believe they have similar tool when you can write code on a remote machine, like simultaneously, several people can edit the same code. So I don't see any problem. I think we we adjusted how we work, and now it works even in new reality awesome thanks nice well thank you for that one as well um i think we're getting towards the end of the hour we had set for this so let's kind of wrap things up i mean we've definitely touched on some really important topics there um but to wrap it up kind of one final quick fire main tip or piece of advice that you would give to it could be someone who's more junior than yourself someone who's starting off in this career path or just someone who's already a tech lead looking to improve the way they do things but one kind of top tip or piece of advice from yourself for someone to become a successful tech lead um anton do you want to do you want to start yeah uh, i i would uh address my my tip to those who are senior engineers now and who want to, to become staff engineers or tech leads because i know that you are good you you have experience uh, but you are still not there and most probably that's because of communication so you need to learn how to communicate your ideas with the team with the management with the business you probably should learn how to make nice powerpoint presentations how to draw nice diagrams that that are easy to understand how to document your decisions uh, so yeah my my top tip would be learn how to communicate and that will help you to progress in your tech uh, career further nice thank you and then carolis will come to you yeah probably my suggestion in general would be for uh, 
everyone has, uh, as Anton touched a really good point in the very beginning, saying that different countries uh, might have a different description or requirements for different role. Uh, some tech leads or some team leads might have different responsibilities uh, throughout the organization. So it really depends on the role. But knowing that technical role and tech lead role requires a unique mix of strong technical expertise, uh, it really should also focus on non-technical skills. Uh, as well as Anton mentioned, it includes communication abilities, uh, empathy, large-scale thinking, uh, growth mindset, and, and I would mention willingness to learn. So it really depends on the person, but uh, I believe that those things that I've mentioned uh, uh, really adds up to what Anton mentioned in his example. So uh, probably those would be the things I could uh, uh, summarize my, my uh, point here. Oh, brilliant. No, really good advice. And finally, Maya, coming over to you for your piece of uh, advice or top tip. Sure, I'm not sure if I'm in a position to give anybody's advice, but <laughs> uh, my, my my two cents is basically more more, more general, not specifically for, for tech lead. This is something that I have always told uh, told people throughout my, my career, which might, may sound cliche, but this is something that I really, really believe in. Uh, do Do things with passion or don't. Uh, I, I that that's something that I have done uh, because if if you uh, and it's kind of related to this tech leadership topic. Um, if if you you are a good engineer, you are a senior engineer, architect, etc. Et if you wanna let let's be uh, honest, if you wanna earn more money, if you have more salary, or, or if you are after a title, etc. Don't go for this kind of position. Understand what is expected. Is this something that you you enjoy doing? Uh, because because if if leadership, working with people, if that's your passion, then go for it. You, you, you are going to enjoy it. You are going to grow as a person yourself. But this, if that's not your, your motive, you are going to be, um, be demotivated yourself and you are going to make other people also feel, feel miserable. So do things with passion or don't. Thank you. Oh, amazing. Amazing. That was lovely. Um, well, yeah, this has been the, the Evolution Exchange podcast. I definitely want to take this opportunity to thank Carolis, Anton and Maya for all of your kind of insights into this topic. And thank you for everyone who is out there listening.